Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hi everyone, it's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about Celine, a podcast recently launched on the RQ Network. Step into Celine. A city cloaked in darkness and teeming with horrors. From evil headmistresses to murderous marionettes, black worm parasites, haunted hotels and eerie sleepwalkers. Meet the paranormal investigators of Needle Street, newly arrived to battle the encroaching malevolence. Inspired by Poe, Edward Gorey and Agatha Christie, their adventures promise twisted mysteries and unforgettable characters. Immersive audio brings the city to life, blending dark humor with bone-chilling suspense. Join the investigators as they navigate Celine's shadows, where mystery and intrigue await at every turn. Experience the thrill of Celine in Dolby Atmos. That's S-E-L-E-N-E. Or visit www.rustyquill.com for more information. And welcome to this Magnus Archive special episode where we find out how well Jonathan Sims and Alexander J. Newell know the world that they've created. I'm Chioma Walioba and I play Annabelle Kane in the series. And I have in front of me a selection of questions from a quiz which was run for the Magnus Rap livestream on Twitch. Let's jump straight in, shall we? With season one and start putting them through their paces. What is the name of the first episode of the Magnus Archives? Oh, hello. Yes, I know that one. Yes, it is. Good morning, Mr. Scary. (laughs) Well, now here's the question. This is me immediately attacking the terms. Are they counting trailers and teasers? Because the first episode of the Magnus Archives is, of course, Anglerfish. However, there was the teaser so what do we think, Johnny? But they weren't titled. They weren't titled. It was just a teaser. I'm going to reserve the right to give two answers, which is teaser if someone's playing, you know, Trixie, or Anglerfish if it's the actual answer. Do you, do you concur, Johnny? I do concur. The answer to that, of course, is Anglerfish. Yes! Trust. Next question. What was the name of the second voice to ever appear on tape in the Magnus Archives? The name of the second voice... I remember it was 13, it was alone. If it was 13, it was alone, I think it would be Katie Davison. That sounds right. Was there not an appearance before then? No. When's Lost John's Cave? No, Lost John's Cave is number 15. Oh, so that's after. 13, I believe, is the first time you hear a second voice. Hmm. I think it's Katie Davison, but I feel like I'm already... Cool. I'm already starting to expose how little attention I pay to our own projects. I'm going to back up Alex's answer here and say it's definitely Katie Davison. Mm, Go on. Well done. 
The answer is Katie Davison as Naomi Hearn. Hey! Yes! Yes! I'm not a bad person! Yes! Later in the series, John takes an axe to a certain suspicious and mesmerising table. In which episode did this table first make an appearance? Pretty sure they're referring to the sound desk Big Bertha. Uh, so... <laughs> when did we start using it, Alex? That would be episode three, uh, Across the Street. Although I couldn't tell you where in the episode it's mentioned in that monologue. Oh, no, Graham has it. This is like centerpiece. He's using it for coffee and stuff. But I can't remember at what point it's mentioned is what i mean like whether it's like just a buried reference no she, she's in the she's in the flat like she's just kind of staring at the table being like "Ooh." yeah it was an explicit reference yes yeah you are correct i'm glad you're here otherwise you know i might actually be uh in trouble on this quiz the important thing is that right now even though we're on the same team none of us is winning yeah no absolutely brilliant the answer is episode three across the street yes I'm kind of getting genuinely competitive now and want to get a perfect score. I want to be that person and I don't think we can. Let's find out. Next question. Who leased an office at £100,000? £100,000, that's the underground Leitner library, so it must be Leitner. Ah, no, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because it's the Palmal Club one. Yeah, no, no, I get that. I can't remember. Did they temporarily lease the place to then break into stuff or... Was it Leitner? No, because no, they didn't break into stuff. They were doing repairs and stumbled into it. Yes, no, you're right. It was repairs. It, it was repairs. So I'm not 100% sure, but there's no one else I can think that it would be other than Jürgen Leitner. No, you're right, because the repairs, they weren't leasing the place. They were contracted. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, Leitner. Leitner's a good answer. It is, of course, Jürgen Leitner. I'll be honest, the entire premise of this episode is going to quite upset Mike, because I told him that I'd looked over these questions to make sure they were accurate. And I didn't. <laughs> God, God. The second you're off the clock, Johnny. The, the absolute second you're off the clock. God. And I didn't. God. Okay. You should be happy because it means this episode can happen. Otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I couldn't legitimately do this quiz. All right. Okay. I'm helping in a very real way. What are the first words spoken in the show not counting trailers oh uh, it would be test test one two three i don't know if it's one two three it's definitely test test i think it might be test test one two one two test test or something i feel like i remember saying a three in which case then it'll be something like test test one two one two three because at the time i would have found it hilarious that you said three let's just say test test let's let's go you know Fine. First words, test, test. Go on, let's go with test, test. I'll give that to you, but the full answer is test, test, test. One, two, three, right. Okay, oh, cool. So test, we're, we're uh, technically correct. We're technically yeah, correct. Yeah, we weren't given a number of words to get, so I, th- I think that wins. Yeah, no, that absolutely. Wins. All audio should start with the words test, test, and if it doesn't, you're doing it wrong. Let's move on to season two, shall we? Nice and easy one to start with. Who gives... The first statement of season two. I think that's, that's the archivist, isn't it? Because he goes in the, into the tunnels. Now, hang on. Hang on, hang on. So, start season two. 
We've done Jane Prentice. Tunnels are revealed. Is it not Martin talking about finding Gertrude's body? That's episode 40. That's the last one of season one. Yes. Okay, I've cheated the season break there. Okay. So there's 40 human remains, and then there's 41 too deep? Okay. Good catch. So in that case, then, I feel like it isn't you. The archivist goes into the tunnels and, like, is give it is saying, like, Oh, I went into the tunnels and it was spooky. I'll have to defer to the man himself, but I feel like I'm missing something there. Of course, it's our very own Jonathan Sims. Oh. Yeah, we were setting up the whole conceit of season two. We were like, oh, he doesn't know what's going on. He's, he's paranoid. Daisy and John share a recurring nightmare. What familiar object does this nightmare involve? Oh. I know that it is a plot point that Daisy realises that the dreams are weird because of the t-shirt changing. Yeah, but that's that's season three. Yeah. I don't think it's a t-shirt. No, it is because she recognises his shirt is like, I'm with stupid in the dream or something. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it, it is. It is the t-shirt in season three, but season two, a recurring dream. I've completely blanked on this. We can work this out logically. This is This is Alex using pub quiz time. It's a knife. No, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. Right. It's a knife. We know that you only get a shared dream with the archivist after they've given a statement, right? A knife. So therefore, what was Daisy's first statement-esque thing? That would be hard shoulder. It was the one where she encountered Breakin and Hope. So is it the coffin that is the recurring dream because of it being in the van and so on? That would have been great foreshadowing, but I don't think we did that. I'm a bit stumped by that one. I think it could be Coffin, or someone's been wording their questions weird and it's actually like the t-shirt or something. A knife. But make your call, Johnny, and if it's knife, I'm just going to go ahead and say... A knife. I'm going to say Coffin. I'm going to say Coffin. And Alex is correct. The answer is the buried Coffin. I'm winning! I'm winning! All right. Okay. I'm better than Johnny at the thing that he primarily wrote. Mm. Next question. What building was previously located on the site of the Magnus Institute? Oh, Millbank Prison. Also, I believe the Royal Chelsea Military Hospital? Yes, above ground. And also, it depends if they want to say the Panopticon. Millbank Prison was like the Panopticon, the, the two are kind oh, of... I'm just trying to get at the wording, you see, because no one checked these questions beforehand, Johnny, you see, so we've got to be really careful. <laughs> Quiet, you. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Millbank Prison slash the Panopticon. <laughs> slash the Royal Chelsea Military slash Hospital. the Royal Chelsea Military Hospital. Fantastic. Straightforward one there. That's Millbank Prison. Yeah, okay. That is the right answer. We're just hedging. We're hedging furiously is what we're doing. In which episode does Melanie ask about the other Sasha? Oh, that's... So, not Sasha reveals herself in 79. So it would probably be 78, I want to say. I can't believe I have to admit this. I'm going to have to just give up my lead and pass this back to you on. I legitimately don't know. Is that the kind mother? I don't know. I'm going to say the kind mother. I have to confess, out of all of the seasons, season two is the one I've least had to revisit. Also, like... This one specifically is really difficult because the statements were recorded quite separate from the dialogue stuff, so matching the two up in my head is tricky. But I think it was the kind mother. I'm going to give that, going to roll them dice. Good job there. 
It is, of course, episode 77, The Kind Mother. Yes! Yes! Yes, come on! Round three. First question. Which key character dies at the end of season three? That would be uh, Hope. Well, hang on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Pretty sure Hope's the most important character that dies at the end of season three. In the unknowing, are you sure it's not Tim? No, no, it won't be Tim, because he didn't die. No, no, I mean, Tim does die, but, like, that's that's a pretty... Tim didn't die, I don't think. Like, it's, it's just, it's not super important to the story, is the thing. No, you know what it'll be? It'll be Orsonov. Yeah, no, Orsonov is... It'll be Nikola Orsonov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way it's Tim, because who cares? Who remembers what Tim did? I don't even know his surname. Uh... Pretty certain it's, like, Meredith or something? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Who died at the end of season three? Tim Meredith. We just had <laughs> a huge... We've just got a huge backlog of his voice recordings and have been, like, just... <laughs> creating this whole artificial... I mean, ultimately, I feel like this question might be making light of... All of the people who were in that wax museum yeah, who got turned temporarily suspended into wax. So in a lot of ways, the answer is everyone. Everyone died, but definitely not Tim. Just to be clear, in terms of us getting points, I think we're saying Tim Stoker. I mean, points are more important than, you know, being liked. So yeah, let's go with, let's go with Tim. Luckily, we've managed to sacrifice both. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is Tim Stoker. Hmm. I do wonder what the body count in The Unknowing was. It was quite high. In my head, I would say like a hundred and something, probably. Yeah, I was thinking in the hundreds. Let's move on. Who is the big bad of season three? I mean, if you look at how it's written, it's kind of Tim. That would be my good friend Jessica Law playing Nicola Orsinoff, the evil mannequin. Well, hang on. This is me overthinking. Oh, otherwise you could say the stranger? This is the thing, is do we want to go higher level? Mm. I'd go with Orsonov, but I want it on the record that, you know, that's a very broad question. Also, this is the season that Elias reveals himself. Exactly. So do we say Elias is the big bad? But I don't think Elias... Depends how you define big bad. Elias is sort of the bigger bad, but I don't think he's the big bad. He's a big bad. I'd say the big bad is the stranger via Nikola Orsinov. Seconded. Absolutely correct. The answer is The Stranger or Nikola Orsinov. Woo! I'm getting real worried. I think we're having an easy ride and then someone's going to pose something really specific and we're not even going to be able to guess it. Next question. What was different about the intro music to episode 119? Oh, yes. I don't know, Alex, help. I've never listened to an episode of this show. <laughs> so episode 119 was where I co-opted the intro music so that instead of being it was because it was the unknowing music. Oh, clown music. Because the unknowing started in the episode prior. So we wanted to set a real awful tone straight off the bat. And so I think that it's playing the unknowing music, which is my final answer. I think that's the answer. Yeah, it's my final answer as well. Our final answer. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely correct. It is the Calliope music that was playing instead of the Magnus theme. Yeah. Yeah, the Calliope. Yeah, yeah. I did freeze for a moment there. I was a little bit worried. I was like, oh no, is it some really obscure like editing thing that I forgot? Next question. During season three of Magnus, Rusty Quill saw a wealth of new fan art come through our post box and on our socials. 
But there was one thing that was sent to us more than anything else. What was it? In season three. I mean, I like to be fair, I, I had no visibility over the P.O. box, so I'm going to probably say teeth. No, it won't be teeth. It won't be teeth. We did get more biologically hazardous waste than you might think that had to be immediately destroyed. Please don't send stuff like that. That's not cool. However, I don't think it'd be teeth. So season three, what? Oh, no, it'd be Tim kayaking. Season three, fan art. It'd be Tim kayaking. It's got to be. Okay, I'll, I'll go with that. I've lost all confidence now. Okay, give me a second to think. Because the issue is I haven't been administering the postbox either. Because the clown core stuff for Orsonov didn't actually come in in season three. People started paying attention to that in season four. There was a little bit of a delay. So I think it's going to be, yeah, Tim kayaking. Do you concur, Jonathan Sims? Yes, I concur, Jonathan okay. Sims. Wait, no, <laughs> I concur, Alexander J. Newell. Tim kayaking. Ooh, not so good. The answer is actually art based on the book, A Guest for Mr. Spider. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, that's annoying. I, I mean, I'd, uh, damn, I really thought we could get a perfect score on this one. It's all right. Wasn't teeth, though, thank God. Final question for season three. What was the name of the film produced in episode 110, Creature Feature? I mean, there were loads. But what were they filming in Creature Feature? They were filming... Oh, balls. I don't remember. Like, the thing is, I made up so many film titles for that. And I really... Like, some of them of like, Agents of Orion and the Crawling Ones have stuck with me. Well, we had to workshop a bunch of them. Oh, it was... It's it's Spider <sighs> in a different <sighs> language. Like, it begins with a Z oh. or something. Oh, no, we can get this one. We can get I this one. I don't know if I can. I'm, I don't remember I'm confident what. we can get this one. It's like... Zemalotta. Zemalaya? Zemalaya? Z- mm. If it begins with a Z, that's what's coming to my mind. Oh, I feel like we're homing in, though. Yeah, I know, but I, I don't think I'm going to land on it. I'm going to say Zemalaya, the spider. Hmm, okay. Clearly, we need to brush up on our web knowledge. The answer is Widow's Weave. Oh, was it? Yeah. Because the Z one is like the original weird thing that, like, it's that Ligorio saw and then wanted to emulate in that. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm thinking of like the faux kaiju thing. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm with you now. It was a remake of an obscure film that no one else ever actually thinks existed. Yeah. But that said, I did not remember the name Widow's Weave at all. That was not even remotely in my head. So no. On to season four. In which island group did Selesa pick up the camera? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. You're asking if you remember some Google Maps search oh, I did two years that's ago. That's really tricky. I honestly don't know. Okay, if we just eliminate every island on the planet that it wasn't, we must end up with the right answer. Probably wasn't the Galapagos. I don't think it was the Seychelles. Don't think it was in the Hebrides. Probably not. Canary? Isle of Man, right out. No, I'm pretty sure I sunk the Isle of Man. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm going to say the Canaries. I don't believe it is, but I'm also drawing what's known in the trade as Anne Blank. Ooh. The answer is actually the Maldives. Oh, the Maldives. You sunk the Maldives? The Maldives no, I are sunk lovely. one of the Maldives. I can't I believe sunk... you sank the Maldives. I sunk a single Maldif. You, s- <laughs> you sunk. Oh, God, Johnny. In Mag 147 Weaver, when Annabel Kane runs away from home, 
What type of shop does she hide out in? That would be an abandoned chip shop. She hides in a chip shop. Does she? No, it's based on a chip shop. Mm. The actual structure I'm thinking is based on an actual brick chip shop I saw years back. It's not the taxidermy office, is it? Oh no, 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 no. This is this one near the beach. It's a square brick building. In the real world, it was a chip shop. I cannot remember if I changed it and made it some other bullshit. For some reason, my memory is triggering on like a puppet shop or something. But that would be no. It wouldn't be it's that. Not a puppet shop. It's too obvious. I wouldn't have allowed it to be that. I don't think. Maybe I probably did change it from a chip shop because that's too similar. To... Sounds to me like what you should say is chip shop, right? And then say that the quiz just doesn't understand the depths of your real world knowledge. A surf shop. I'm going to say a surf no, shop. There's no way it's a surf shop. No, I don't think it is I, a surf you'd shop. You'd never have said a surf shop. Never in no. a million years. But like a gift shop, like a tourist information shop, maybe. You might have to just go with chip shop and just... Accept my lot. No, I'm going to say tourist information shop. I'll defer to you on this one because I ain't got the right answer. I mean, I don't think I'm right, but... Well, don't say that as you lock the answer in. God. Perhaps you should trust your gut, Danny. The correct answer was chip shop. Shit! I told you, you'd have got it with chip shop. Oh, Johnny, mate, mate. It's fine, it's fine. Everyone can hear that I did know the answer, that what I lacked was not knowledge, but self-confidence. Next question. After the founding of the Magnus Institute, how many years passed before the ritual of the Watcher's Crown was completed? That would be 200 years, I believe. I think it's 200 on the nose, isn't it? Yeah, 1818 to 2018. I mean, technically not, actually. Wasn't it like a month or so off or something? Well, no, because the ritual that's conducted is not technically the Watcher's Crown. The name The Watcher's Crown is kind of a red herring. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess. But the question still works. Impressive, yeah. 200 years. 1818 till 2018. I'll allow it. (laughs) You'll allow it. (laughs) How many times in season four are John and Martin in the same scene together? Oh. Oh, okay, okay, no, we can work this one out. It might just be the once. Like, well, okay, it depends on... It depends. Do we count... Oh, no, it's, it's, not, it's not just the once. There's a bunch of them, like... No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right. Let's discount the trailer. Okay. Because that's not a scene. That's a trailer. There's You Died. Yep. There's The Final Lonely. You're doing this in a very awkward order for me. <laughs> yeah, there's... Let's gouge out her eyes and make out. There's two scenes in 160... Good cows and... Oh, no! The question is, how many scenes are there between that? Okay, let's run through it in order. Let's run through it in order. I want to say seven. Okay, because the question was for the entirety of season four. So going from the beginning, right. You were dead is definitely one. Yeah. There's a meeting between John and Martin where John's like, listen, I need to warn you about Peter Lucas. Is that the same one as the your you were dead? I don't know. I feel like there are... Either one, two, or three meetings between you died and let's gouge out our eyes. So I know what I'm like, structurally speaking. I would expect me to have allowed three scenes between the two of them, then end game. Then let's say six or seven. Pick your number. I am going to say six because that way if it's seven we can say oh they've counted the trailer so you know 
I'm going to say seven. Oh, Johnny, I hate you. It's going to be like 12 or something. Okay, I'll give that to you. It is five episodes. Episode one, two, four, left hanging. Episode one, two, nine, submerge. Episode one, five, four, bloody Mary. Episode one, five, nine, the last. And episode one, sixty, the eye opens. So five episodes, six scenes. So it's a moral victory for us, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, for us, because we both said six. Yeah, it's a, it's a moral victory because we both definitely, definitely said six. Final question of season four. How many ribs does John possess at the end of season four? Oh no, how many ribs does a human possess in general? At the end of season four... Quiet, Johnny, I'm counting my ribs. <laughs> Ow. Ow. Technically, at the end of season four, he's only missing one. But how many ribs do humans have? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm counting, but it just hurts. I'm going to say 21, because I think we normally have 22 ribs. He's lost one to Jared Hopworth, and one is outside his body, but he still possesses it. Let's lock that in. It's the kind of thing Johnny will know, and I'm, I'm hurting now, because I've been poking... I categorically do not know how many ribs a human has. I can't keep poking my torso. It's starting to hurt. Can't give that to you, I'm afraid. The answer is 23. However, one of these is in a cupboard rather than his rib cage. Ah, uh, <sighs> yeah. So well, a human, normal human has 24 ribs. Okay, there we go. There we go. Alex, you should have poked harder. I can't believe it. Hurt. I've legitimately bruised myself. Perhaps you should pay more attention to human anatomy. Oh, well. On to season five. Gertrude inherited Fiona Law as an assistant when she became archivist. What is it that saved Fiona from being a victim of most, but not all, powers? Thump. That's the sound of somebody fainting. Yeah, she just passed out all the time, didn't she? Let's see, there was Emma, Fiona, Michael, and I want to say Sarah, and one of them survived lots by fainting and i and if fiona law was the long-lived one then that would be it because that's the thing is the one that i'm confused on here because i'm not 100 percent is there was one of them who kept passing out and then there was the other one who survived quite long by making everyone else go first and was in fact tormenting i think that was emma but who's the question referring to then fiona i like the, the question i believe is yeah all right i'll give you that one fiona fainting fainting yeah terrific the answer is fainting yeah, there you go. Good job. Good job. I liked that as a story point as well. That was a nice little like, I really liked that. It just resonated. Let's move on. How many characters does John successfully smite in season five? Name them. Oh, God. Right. So first one is Jude Perry. No, first one is the not Sasha. Yes. Then there's Jude Perry. Yes. Jared yes doesn't take out Oliver no nope. doesn't take out Simon no are we then on to Helen no there's definitely someone before Helen the whole Basira Daisy thing is like between them he doesn't do any smiting there that's that's moot he doesn't do anything with Salasa obviously isn't the one that kills Trevor no nope. no one gets smote in Salasa's I feel like there's one I'm missing I think it might go straight to Helen. Really? I feel like there's another. There is another. <laughs> the reason I don't think there is is because, again, this is me revealing all my story structures. You get three beats and then you get your big bash. Yeah. So you've got three beats there and then you've got Helen. 
I don't think there is another one because we'd be hitting it too hard. And he kills Elias, but he doesn't smite Elias. If they count Elias, then fair enough, but I don't think there's anyone pre-Helen. I might say four brackets five if you count Elias. Last chance if you think there's anything before Helen, but I don't think there is. Yeah, I I can't lay my finger on it. I think it's the three we discussed, then I think it's Helen for a fourth. Oh, Brecon. Oh, does... Yeah, Brecon asks to be got. Yeah, there is a mercy smite. You're right. I can't remember. We do grant Brecon that, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's four, then it's five with Helen, so then you're into five brackets six. No, I think it's six brackets because it's not Sasha, Jude, yep. Yep. Jared, yep. Brecon, yep. Helen. Yep. Oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, five brackets six if we count Jana. Five brackets six then. Good catch on the uh, Brecon one. I'd have missed that. I almost did. Lock it in then. Five bracket six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five bracket six. The answer is five. The not them slash not Sasha. Jude Perry. Jared Hopworth. Brecon. And Helen. (sighs) Yeah, getting answers wrong on season five is a particularly egregious error. (laughs) We kind of got a bat for a thousand right now. Which tea type does Martin hate? I want to say oolong. Yes. Or Lapsang Souchong. Oh, ha. Ooh. I think it'd be Oolong. I'm going to say Oolong. It's one of those details that, like, I threw in. It's important, I think, that as a character point, Martin dislikes a particular type of tea. Absolutely correct. The answer is Oolong. Next question. The statement of episode 189, Piers, includes the sound of three men in fine suits laughing. Which Rusty Quill member is the uncredited performer of said guffaws? Oh, I think I know this one. I think it's Tim Meredith. This actually makes a lot of sense now because someone mentioned Tim Meredith getting an uncredited performance in season five. And I was like, what? He did what? If it is, A, I did not allow it. (laughs) And B, I know that Elizabeth would have put a request out knowing that I forbade it anyway. So I think it might be Tim Meredith. I think you're right, and I think Elizabeth has some explaining to do. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. Great guess. The answer is Tim Meredith. Oh, oh. someone's in trouble now. This was meant to be a Tim-free zone. <laughs> I can't believe someone sneaked Tim into our glorious creation. It's soured for me now. It's like putting a bit of lime juice in milk. The whole lot's going to slowly ruin. <laughs> you have given him a whole show. <laughs> I keep paying him to make stuff, but that's not the point. The final question of season five. Who in a statement is described as insecure, aggressive, and desperate to be taken seriously? Oh, Ooh, I quite like that question. Insecure, aggressive, and desperate to be taken seriously. It's going to be the archivist, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. Yeah. I forget who was giving a statement about... Rosie? Yes, I think it is. I think it's Rosie's Panopticon statement. I think it's Rosie's perception of the archivist. Yeah, I think that's it. Good work. Final answer. Terrific. The answer is, of course, the archivist. Yeah. Good job. Good job. We're doing respectably now. We're all right. I was a bit worried. Just as an extra little treat, we've got a bonus round for you here. Okay, okay, these are going to be tricky. What was the last in-studio recording date for season five? 
So, you know, cast your mind back to pre-COVID times. Dates? Yikes. I think it was you, Johnny. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. It was the Saturday before Sasha's birthday party was on the 4th. It was the Saturday before that. So what was the Saturday before the 4th of March? I don't know. I don't know. February sometimes has different numbers of days. I know that. I don't think it was a leap year. I'm going to roll the dice that birthday party was on a Saturday, which we would have made Saturday the 4th of March, which means rolling that back. I'm going to say February the 25th. To be fair, this question is just two old men being like, no, so I think it was... No, it was a Tuesday! I think it was 1963. It was a Tuesday because I always eat soup on a Tuesday. It could have been a stew, but if it was a stew, it might have been a Wednesday. I hadn't gotten the citron just by then, <laughs> but I was still working. I was still working at Broad Street. <laughs> so I just had a vision of us on a porch as irritating old men who refuse to listen to each other or anyone else and won't stop talking. I mean, that's just us now. (laughs) Yeah, but there'll be a porch. That's the dream. The answer is the 14th of March, 2020. Really? There was one after the... I thought that the... No, fair enough. You're talking to someone who deleted the entirety of production from my brain. Yeah. Which... Magnus Archives cast or crew member struggles to listen to the show because it is too scary. I mean, a bunch of them, I think. Here's the thing. I know it's a bit of a thing with the fans that Bryn doesn't listen. Oh, is it Alex? No, it's not because I don't get scared by horror. It'll be Bryn because Bryn makes a point of saying specifically he doesn't listen because it's too scary as opposed to everyone else who says they don't listen to it because we're talentless hacks who are getting in the way of the real creatives. So I think it'll be Bryn. That's reasonable. Uh, yeah. The correct answer is, and I cannot believe you forgot, your producer, Lowry. Oh, that is a foolish oh, question. Oh, that'll be it. Sorry, Lowry. Well, I maintain that Bryn also says it's too scary. I query the question. Sorry, Lowry. Let's move on, shall we? In season five, approximately how many individual SFX samples did Elizabeth use at least once? How many sound effect samples? This is going to be a very distressingly high figure. I am going to say 5,000. I'm having to think about order of magnitude, never mind how many. So samples that she used at least once. We did reuse some assets. So that's one of the tricks with audio drama is you can use a storm from a different one as a new storm in a different one if you add an extra element. But even then... I am going to say 5,000. I am going to say 3,851. Ooh, wrong. The answer is roughly 1,355. Is that all? I am better. Amateur hour. Also, I feel like that might be conservative, but it might be that she's talking only about new stuff that was introduced in season five. Maybe it's because we reused more than than previous. I mean, it's a good start, Elizabeth. Call me when you've hit (laughs) 5,000. You shut your mouth, I I know, I know, I know. Half the time she's been running around with her recorder trying to find sounds in a pandemic, (laughs) just being like, I can make this work, I can make this work. Poor woman. Next question. Outside of Alex, which editor 
worked on the most episodes across all seasons. Which editor is inside of Alex? (laughs) (laughs) This is actually a surprisingly tricky question. I feel like I want to say Elizabeth. It could be Brock. Brock is the music editor who rarely gets paid attention, but the difference is he's done a lot. Like, a lot of edits. In terms of hours, it'll be Elizabeth. But in terms of actual number of completed edits... I'm going to defer to you on this one, because obviously you understand all the production staff kind of blend together to me, you know? Oh, Johnny! They're just one amorphous blob that I I gift my genius to, and uh, they've turned into something acceptable, you know? It's definitely between Elizabeth or Brock. I am going to say something controversial and guess Brock by like one episode or something. But over the years, it's very difficult to pin. I think it's actually going to be Brock, but not by much. What's Brock's surname? You've just said Brock a lot. Oh, sorry. Brock Winstead. I'm going to say Elizabeth because I trust in Elizabeth. Oh, now I'm the villain. Because we're we're besties. No, Brock. I'm going to say Brock. I'm going to say Brock Winstead. I'm going to say Brock, but not by much. Point to you, Alex. The answer is Brock Winstead. Elizabeth, you let me down. I believed in you. Elizabeth has definitely spent the most amount of time working on the show, like categorically, but not Not in such a way that earns me a point. (laughs) And the final question of this quiz, who is the last character to drop the F-bomb on this show? Oh, no, that's surprisingly tricky. Hmm. I think it's Melanie, where he's like, you just want to stab Elias, and she's like, if you think that, you can f*** off out my tunnels on your high horse. I think that might be the final F-bomb. Yeah, I think that's it. It's definitely in 199, because 200, a swear, would have lessened the impact. We said bastard. Well, no, but that's deliberate that it wasn't anything worse, because it's a weirdly fine line to walk with swearing. I don't believe there was any expletives throughout 200, even if it was like, oh, no, as in like, oh, oh, shit, or whatever. I don't think there was anything like that. I think it was Melanie saying to f*** off out her tunnels. F*** off out my tunnels on your high horse. Yeah, I think that's it. That's right. It's Melanie in episode 199. Brilliant. Oh, yes. I mean, that would have been embarrassing if we hadn't, because it wasn't that long ago we wrote and recorded it. Okay, so I realised that we were on the same team. But at the same time, I kind of want to know who won within our team, so... I want to know how much I beat you by. Uh, Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. It's important for the records. Who's the MVP of this, quote, team? Out of a possible 29 points, that's 20 for Johnny and 22 for Alex. Not that it's a competition at all. <laughs> yes! Mm, I don't think that's... Yes, I, I, think, I think that is I think what you've accurate. got to remember, though... Alex is a dirty cheat. Johnny, it's fine. I'm fine with us being credited as a team when I privately know there's an extra couple of points kicking around there. And that's okay. That's okay, Johnny. You have to remember is that they've edited out all the additional... There were like 10 more questions that I nailed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they've edited it out because Alex threw a strop and they've got to make him look good. That's oh, yeah, what's C- control history. That's that's the trick there, yeah. No, I'd like to give a special thanks to uh, Brock for being the secret source behind this, uh, not a win necessarily, that's a strong word, but this triumph, this monumental achievement. I don't know. 
I would say embarrassment for you that you're putting such store by a quiz that doesn't even matter. Like it's not, it's fine. You know, it was just for fun. It was just a little bit of a little bit of postseason content that doesn't 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 matter. And on that, I think we should say bye. <laughs> bye, everyone. Anyway, I've got to go and do something else now. Something that is important <laughs> and not just a waste of my time. So you know, bye, Alex. So that's it from me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned as we have even more bonus episodes coming your way over the next few weeks. Goodbye and thanks for listening. This episode is distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. For more information, visit rustyquill.com. Tweet us at the Rusty Quill, visit us on Facebook or email us at mail at rustyquill.com. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify. And break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hi, everyone. It's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about Divisor, a podcast on the RQ Network. Divisor is a dark science fiction audio drama with elements of horror from Harlan Guthrie, the mastermind behind the unsettling and addictive series Malevolent. In this immersive tale, we follow Sun, a young man who awakens aboard a spaceship bound for Earth on a mission to recolonize a desolate planet. However, Sun's journey takes a sinister turn, and he discovers unsettling truths about his world and himself. The entire series is available for you to listen to now. Search for Divisor wherever you listen to podcasts. That's D-E-V-I-S-E-R. Or visit www.divisor.ca or www.rustyquill.com for more information.